0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the show, I am so excited to say we have Ryan Broderick, freelance tech writer publishing the Garbage Day newsletter, though he's done a lot of other super impressive, pretty interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Ryan, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me, excited to be here.
0: Yee, are you ready to dive in?
1: I am, yes, let's do this.
0: Let's do this. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Betts Recruiting. That's right, Betts is back on the pod, baby. Don't get me wrong. I love a warm intro as much as the next person. But what I don't love is combing through LinkedIn for four hours and then texting someone I haven't talked to since 2011 to ask for an intro to some random at the company I want to work for who they may or may not know. So if you're a high performing professional looking for your next opportunity, but tired of sending resumes out into the void or waiting on your friend to finally submit that referral, it's time to become a Bets Connect community member. Thousands of tech startups are on their way to becoming the next unicorn and they're looking for talented sales, marketing, and customer success professionals. Apply to join Bet's exclusive network and if you're accepted, those tech startups will reach out to you. Apply now for your exclusive lifetime membership at betsrecruitingcom slash non-technical. Ryan Broderick is a freelance tech writer who publishes the Garbage Day newsletter about web culture and technology and is co-host of the Content Minds podcast. Ryan Broderick, welcome to Nontechnical.
1: Thank you, hi. I'm excited to bare my soul and, and share some <laughs> personal information, let's do it.
0: Absolutely, I'm so excited to dive in. You and I know each other from the internet.
1: That's right, yeah, <laughs> the internet, yeah.
0: Yes, do you have a lot of friends from the internet? Given your line of work, oh,
1: that's a great question. Yes, but I do make sure to have some very offline friends.
0: Offline friends are key.
1: I think it's important to have some friends in meet space. Yeah. <laughs> meat space. Yeah, meat space. I try to like bridge the gap. If I meet mm. someone on the internet, I try to like transition that friendship into a real one. If I like, Me too. Them, you know, yeah, yeah, I think of course. It's important.
0: If they pass the screening test, this is kind of like my screening test, right? It's like, do you like me enough? I feel like this is my at-bat. I got to give this everything I've got in order to make it to the next phase.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I like to think of it like adding platforms. It's like, okay, are we Mm. Twitter friends? Mm. Are we Twitter DM friends? Different layer there.
0: Yeah, that is definitely a different layer. Then it's
1: like Instagram, I think is next. And then texting, I think is the final one.
0: I think texting is the final frontier. I think that email is actually less intimate than twitter dm we are connected on email but i'm like "Mm, we've already got the dm going so oh true that may even have been a step backward we may have even taken a step back
1: well I, I think email has like a romantic vibe to it not saying there's okay. a romantic thing with us i'm saying there's like a right yeah writing letters from war kind of vibe <laughs> with, a, with a good email
0: that's a great point uh, i'll have to think about that next time i compose an email <laughs> <laughs> so i'm really excited for us to chat today i wanted to start by asking you this how did you spend your last day off
1: so my girlfriend lives in sao paulo brazil
0: that's right hey brazil is pretty far away
1: It's pretty far away. Yeah. Yeah. It's a type of far away that's actually pretty easy to manage. It's in our time zone, more or less. Oh, really? Yeah. And the flights to and from Brazil are usually at night. So if you you, you can sleep through most of the traveling. So that's fine. How long is the flight? It's usually like seven to nine hours. Oh, boy. But I, I like traveling, so it's fine. Okay. So my last day off, Me and my girlfriend, we went to a Jurassic Park-themed fast food restaurant in Brazil. Oh,
0: my God. I have so many follow-up questions.
1: (laughs) It was basically like a Brazilian McDonald's, Okay. there were giant dinosaurs everywhere. Not real ones, obviously. I wish. That was pretty interesting. And then we went to a museum that was, it was so weird, but it was super cool. It was a museum exhibit about the history of, like, a Brazilian pharmacy chain Like Brazil's Dwayne Reed? Kind of. Yeah. Imagine like 300 years of Dwayne Reed history. (laughs) That's kind of what it was.
0: I would go to that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, because Brazilian history is super weird in general. Really? Yeah, it briefly became the center of the Portuguese empire, fun fact. So we went to this, like, very weird, cool museum after going to a Jurassic Park-themed restaurant. It was a very strange day, but it was great.
0: That's an amazing day off. It was so educational.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, dinosaurs and and pharmaceutical products. Like, it's a perfect Saturday.
0: What more could you ask, honestly, where anthropology meets apothecary, you know, right at the intersection?
1: That's great. Yeah, nice. (laughs)
0: What was the food at the Jurassic Park themed restaurant?
1: Brazilians kind of have a, a type of hamburger they call like a, I guess we have it too, but it's like very common there. They call it a smash burger. So it's almost like a Shake Shack burger kind of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. But then they also had bolovos, which I thought were going to be great, but they were actually bilovos. gross. I don't know what that is. A bolovo is kind of like a Brazilian scotch egg. So it's like a deep fried egg.
0: I don't know what a scotch egg is. This thing goes straight to the top. <laughs>
1: Let's do this. Let's just talk about different kinds of eggs for the next hour. I think I'm
0: 100%
1: down. No below is great. It's like a it's like a deep fried breaded egg.
0: Is it a deep fried breaded boiled egg?
1: Yeah. So like you boil an egg, then you wrap it in meat, and then you wrap it in batter and deep fry it. <laughs> Are you
0: kidding? People yeah. eat that? Where?
1: In Brazil, they call it a blovo. But in the UK, where I lived for a couple of years, it's called a scotch egg. I love deep fried eggs.
0: <laughs> There's nothing there not to like. Yeah. Do they have them in New York anywhere? Do you know?
1: I feel like America post-pandemic should embrace mm deep fried eggs as a bar snack. I think this is our opportunity to come out uh, into public again and decide Mm -hmm. to join the rest of the world and enjoying like a deep fried hard boiled egg as a bar snack, which I'm actually
0: kind of shocked that America has not already embraced deep frying and wrapping in meat and egg. It feels like kind of our deal. I actually think
1: like much like how we don't really care about soccer. I think Americans Mm -hmm. are kind of out of the global loop when it comes to eggs in general. I don't think we're doing enough with eggs. That's my hot take there.
0: We haven't hit the ceiling yet there.
1: I don't think so. I I think Americans are a little squeamish about like doing weirder stuff with eggs. And I think that we should embrace the egg as like a multi-purpose food.
0: That's a great point. (laughs) Do you ever...
1: Yeah, that's just like that. And thank I mean.
0: you so much, listeners, for joining us. This is Egg Talk featuring Alexis and Ryan. I actually love eggs because breakfast is one of the only meals I feel competent cooking.
1: Yeah, I, I well, that's the thing. Eggs are really easy to make. They're so easy. Let's get crazy with eggs. Let's get
0: crazy with eggs, America. God, I mean, we've been saying this for a whole 45 seconds now. Let's just see some action. Ryan, if you were kidnapped, but you had the chance to secretly communicate with your friends and family and let them know something was wrong, what would you say to tip them off?
1: Oh, wow. I do think if I go too long without posting something on the internet, people do tend to check in on me.
0: Are people that are checking in on you internet friends or people who've ascended to real friend?
1: Oh, no, no. no. Like my mom follows me on Twitter and we'll, oh. she'll comment when like my tweets aren't doing numbers. Like that's a thing.
0: <laughs> <gasps> What kind of commentary? Does she give feedback or she's just letting you know?
1: She loves to send me people being mean to me. She loves to like point out that no like, way. people in their replies are being mean, but not like not defensively. Basically, my mom's like, they're roasting you in the replies. That Like, that happens. Yeah.
0: That's hilarious. Does yeah. she feel defensive of you in those moments? Is she like, they're roasting you in the chat, but they shouldn't because you're great.
1: I think it's a totally different thing. I think it's like, mm-hmm. they're roasting you in the chat, like, do better next time. Uh,
0: <laughs> Step it up.
1: She has also sent me, like, people... Who have either like written similar stories of like a thing I'm covering or done a tweet about something that has done better and like pointed out. Oh
0: my God. Oh my God. I mean, Ryan, have you considered tweeting about eggs? Just off the top of my head, a quick idea for you.
1: My Twitter account is a mess and uh, totally, totally (laughs) bad and self destructive. And I feel like. (laughs) That would fit in quite nicely with the rest of the stuff that I tweet about.
0: I think your point about Americans not fully embracing the nuance, and I would even say the potential layers and the, what's the noun form of dynamic? Dynamism. Dynamism. I think so, right? Okay. And the dynamism of eggs. I think that that would potentially do numbers. Just food for thought, literally food for thought for you. And for your mom.
1: I do also think egg content is strangely viral. I think people find hmm. eggs funny, and I think talking about eggs is actually an easy way to go viral. So I, I would agree with you. Wow.
0: Okay. I can't wait to see what happens. My mom is not online at all. She has a Twitter that's private and protected that she will never tweet on, but she occasionally will go through and read all of my jokes. So she won't check in. For like a few months. <laughs>
1: oh, wow. Okay.
0: And then she'll go through and read them
1: all. Is that good? Do you like that?
0: I like the balance of having some people in my life who are excruciatingly offline. And then other people who know what I'm talking about where I'm like, you know that meme <laughs> where the guy's doing yeah. the thing? They're like, yes, of course I know that meme, Alexis. So I like having a balance.
1: My closest friend, I've known him since we were both six years old. He is extremely offline, mm. except he is like cripplingly addicted to Reddit
0: be online you might as well yeah. send it you know
1: yeah he's like a hardcore redditor but he doesn't even like like he has an android phone so like i'm not we can't even really text you how know?
0: can you even maintain a relationship it's at a that mess. point
1: and his wife has an apple phone so it's just like how oh my god free? like
0: it's awful. i'm always impressed by mixed operating system marriages
1: it's you know it's a real testament to their love for each other I they're
0: agree. breaking ground they're really yeah. overcoming adversity
1: but it's nice because like his corner of the internet you know, is totally separate. So, like, we have a lot to talk about. You know, we have a lot of notes to share.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Hmm. That's a really nice perspective. So if you didn't tweet, people like your mom would know. But is there something that if you did tweet or say, people would be tipped off? Like, whoa, something's up.
1: If I was too nice or Mm. earnest, most of my public communication is, like, pretty sarcastic and, like, emotionally stunted. And I think, like... (laughs) if I were to like, suddenly be genuine on Maine I think people would be uh, would be like this is weird what's happening
0: yeah okay um, hate to be earnest on Maine
1: yeah so like if I started tweeting like I love all of my friends and family so much mm-hmm. and, You know the, you know. Thank you all for following me Like I think people If I did it once You'd be like Okay maybe he's having Some kind of emotional crisis But yeah. if I continue doing <laughs> it They'd be like Okay like we gotta We gotta check in on We you need
0: know, to like, intervene Do a wellness okay. check
1: Yeah Okay <laughs>
0: Okay, so that's a good thing to know. Being earnest on Maine should require yeah. a wellness check.
1: If I'm not joking around and I'm being a nice person without any sort of attachment to it, you should worry.
0: The cracks in the egg, if they start to show, then now we know. Brian has a piece of art, that could be music, a book, actual art, whatever, ever changed your life?
1: That's a great question. Thanks. Oh, speaking of being earnest on Maine, yeah, okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think so. I mean, like lots of I, lots of things have, but I, the the thing mm. that kind of immediately comes to mind because I was thinking yeah. about this the other day because I, I think it had it had just hit an anniversary. There's a band called The Mountain Goats. It's essentially one guy, John Darnell. He's very good singer songwriter. And when I was in college, I figured out a way to illegally steal. Gigabytes of music uh from my from my college's like Wi-Fi network. Sure. And I accidentally downloaded one of his albums called All Hail West Texas. It's like this mm. little five folk album, but it's like gorgeous and incredible. Wow. And it's like one of those albums where like for the rest of my life I know exactly where I was the first time I, I played mm. it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few times where I've like started an album and then like immediately stopped doing anything else and just like sat and listened to an album.
0: Oh, that is rare.
1: Yeah. It was an incredible experience. And I think the album just turned 20 last month. I was the perfect age to hear it for the first time. I was like 17, 18, mm. which is like exactly yep. when you need to hear the Mountain Goats the first time.
0: Okay, amazing.
1: It's one of the few albums ever where I've just like sat and listened to an album as like a form of entertainment.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm saving it right now so that I can check it out later. When you say it had an impact on you, what was the impact that it had?
1: I sat down to try to like actually write it out and I, I ultimately just like didn't Know where to put it because, like, hmm. you know, where do you put that? But on the internet. yeah. But every song is like a different story. There are short, little acoustic songs that sort of paint these like very vivid pictures. And it was like a weird feeling where, like, at seventeen years old, it was like I was feeling nostalgic for emotions and experiences that had not happened to me yet. It was yes. sort of like this like yeah. crazy feeling. Yep. That you can you can have when you're a teenager, which I, I I you don't you don't have you know years later with art. Where I was just like, oh, mm. I've unlocked like a new part of my brain, I think, and I'm not even ready to understand what that part of my brain does yet. And so to sit there and like be transported with these like weird quirky little songs to like a whole future of my life that I had not lived yet was like mm. very very powerful. I don't know how it changed me, but I do know that I'm different after hearing that album.
0: Hmm. What is it like listening to it now as not a teenager?
1: I try not to listen to it, actually. Really? I still listen to Mountain Goats on a regular basis. They're in my top Spotify every year. Hmm. Uh, They're one of those bands where I put on their discography and I just let Spotify go. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But I typically don't listen to that album when I do that because Hmm. I feel like one, like I listen to music when I work and like I can't yeah. get anything done if I put that album on. Hmm. And also there was a podcast done a couple of years ago called I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats, where the creator of Welcome to Night Vale basically sat in John Donnell's basement and interviewed him. No. Yeah, it's great. And the first season does this album, All Hail West Texas, and they interview about each song and then they have an artist come on and cover that song. And I listened to that podcast and I sort of like went through song by song with the podcast. And then after that, I was like, I don't ever want to listen to this album again. I've sort of like closed the book on that. I'm good. It was like so much. I know all of the things about that album. And then I was like, all right, I'm good. I don't think I've listened to that album ever since.
0: Hmm. Wow. That is so fascinating to have your relationship with something like that change over time. I'm thinking yeah. about if there's an equivalent album for me.
1: Yeah. Do you have songs where you're like, I have too many memories attached to this song. I can't add more memories to this song. I'm not going to listen to the song ever again.
0: <laughs> so I definitely, definitely do. One interesting thing, though, is that sometimes I force myself to listen to them anyway. Interesting. It's almost like... It's like I want to reclaim it in a way, especially if it's associated with, like, something that was sad or or I just, like, want to hear it again, even though I know that it, like, brings up all this nostalgia. Here's something. There was a mix CD that somebody made for me in my shower CD player my freshman fall of college. So talk about first, t- I mean, I went to boarding school for high school, but still, this was like first time on my own in a real way. I went to NYU, so I moved to New York and had the one, this one CD in my shower and songs from that CD pierced through my heart if I
1: hear them. What songs?
0: There's a couple songs by a band called Minus the Bear. Do you know oh. Minus the Bear?
1: Absinthe. Yes. Absinthe Party at uh, the Fly Honey Warehouse. At the Fly Honey Fantastic. <laughs> I remember where I was the first time I heard that song as well.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay, so there are a couple minus the bear songs that like literally if I hear them, it like like it's so strong, that feeling of being out on my own for the first time in that way that it takes my breath away. Sometimes I'll listen to them. It's so such pure nostalgia in this way that's like semi painful, but I force myself to do it.
1: I don't have the courage to force myself to do it.
0: I don't think it's courage. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) Yeah.
1: I haven't done it in a while. I do wonder if part of that is actually COVID. Yeah. I do wonder if like, being in some form of lockdown or, like, being too close to my own thoughts on a daily basis... Yes, yes, yes. ...over too long of a time has made me just be like, I'm not gonna open the door to those emotions Mm -hmm. for a while. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna keep them in the closet for a little bit longer. 100%. Maybe when the world turns back on, if it turns back on, that'll be something I start doing again, is the the 2 a.m. trip down painful nostalgia. (laughs) album
0: <laughs> or maybe we could switch and i will listen to that mountain goats album and you can listen to minus the bear and then the songs will still be getting the airtime they deserve but we cannot be in
1: pain <laughs> yeah i love it that's a great that's great a- actually minus the bear just put out a, a new live album it's on spotify it's very good I have- oh
0: that's cool okay wait so that see i would like i would check that out and then when it gets to those songs i would just have a brief meltdown and go on with my life
1: yeah absolutely
0: i'm looking for more ways to have a brief meltdown these days you know what i mean it's like can't get enough
1: See, that's the thing. I'm thinking back on it now and I'm like, why haven't I had that entertaining kind of meltdown in a while? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I think it's COVID. I think that once I'm out in the world regularly doing things more, yes. I'll be like, you know what would be nice right now? To have just like a complete spiral.
0: You're so right. And also this makes me think of how I have friends who will read really sad books and I can't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm a big TV movie crier.
0: Mm hmm. Oh, me too. I'm an everything crier.
1: Yeah, yeah. The stuff that's making me cry nowadays, I think, is very different though than mm. the stuff that was probably making me cry like three or four years ago.
0: Wow. That's fascinating. Wow. Honestly, this is deep for an episode of Egg Talk. This is an
1: excellent conversation. <laughs> I'm having a great time. I feel like we're really peeling back it. the shell. It's great. We're
0: peeling back the shell. That's right. Okay. Is there anything that your family did growing up that at the time you thought was normal and then later realized was a little strange?
1: Oh man, yeah, there's so much. My parents were both flight attendants.
0: Really, both of them?
1: Yeah, and my dad retired and changed jobs. My mom retired this year, basically. She was a flight attendant for like 49 years, yeah. (gasps) Oh my God. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: A lifetime.
1: I know, I know. First TWA and then United. That's my airline, nice still our family can fly standby still. Yeah. Which helps with the relationship with with
0: the Brazil. Oh my God. Wow. Look at all this.
1: Yeah. I can jump on a plane. There's an empty seat, but it also meant like as a kid, like we would spend a lot of time just like sleeping on the floor of airports, Hmm. Uh, which at the Hmm. time I didn't think anything uh, was very weird, but like that is really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Another weird thing. When my parents got divorced, my dad moved across the street. (gasps) So, Oh, and they still hang out. Like they still go on vacations together. They still do stuff together (laughs) for like 10 years. We would just like walk back and forth between my mom and my dad's house.
0: That's super convenient.
1: Super convenient. Very strange, probably.
0: For them, maybe. Nice for you.
1: They're friends. They're just like, yeah, they don't want to be married anymore.
0: They just used to be married. Totally.
1: Growing up. I mean, everything was just weird because my parents are weird people.
0: Hmm. What may, What does weird mean to you? Like when you say weird, what does that mean?
1: Growing up, it always felt like everyone else was sort of aware of things or like part of a conversation that like my family Hmm. wasn't a part of. I feel like like I remember there was like a day like in middle school, it felt like everyone had known about the movie The Princess Diaries. And I I had never heard. Wait, Princess Diaries. Is that the one with like the book, the kids reading the book?
0: No, that's The Princess Bride. And I totally. Yes,
1: there was like a day where I just was like, what is this movie and why does everyone know about it? And, like, and I feel like growing up, there was just all kinds of cultural stuff hmm. like that people knew about that I just never knew about. Part of me wonders if it's also because my dad like didn't believe in cable
0: for a while. Oh, okay, sure. So
1: he was like, we're not getting cable. And so like, there was just a ton of stuff I missed, I think, between like, the ages of six and thirteen.
0: Yeah, if you don't have cable in those years, I definitely think you're missing out on some parts of like the more zeitgeisty childhood conversations. But what was your time filled with at home instead?
1: Just watching non-cable. I would watch like <laughs> Bewitched and All in the Family and like weird '60s TV show reruns. And then really the internet. When we could get the internet, but we couldn't get cable for a while. So maybe that's why I now write about the internet. All I was long.
0: just gonna say.
1: Yeah. Who knows? Possible. Mm.
0: It is. Wow. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you went on the internet?
1: The first time? No. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. But I remember mm-hmm. getting... I think I remember the first time I used Kaza or Kazaa. Oh, I Kazaa. Like, oh, God. I feel yeah. like that was like a pivotal moment. So I do remember when I first got Pokemon Red for Game Boy, I went on the okay. internet to get a walkthrough. And back in those days, like, you would print out Like pages from a printer of like a video game walkthrough, and like put it in a binder. Yeah, which pissed off my dad because I used all the ink to print (laughs) sixty pages of a Pokemon walkthrough. But then also it was my first interaction with online misinformation because back in those days people would just say stuff was in the game that wasn't in the (gasps) game.
0: Oh my.
1: And there's no way to fact check it. So like, you know, there's whole parts of that game that I just like misremembered or like were was yes. told if you did this thing that was extremely difficult and took hours, you could do this thing and it wasn't true. So I do remember that experience. I remember like going online mm. for like video game help. That was a first probably.
0: What color was your Game Boy?
1: Silver. It was not very interesting.
0: Oh, interesting. So yeah. did you have the silver translucent one or just like gray?
1: Just gray, just a a gray (gasps) Game Boy, yeah.
0: Oh, oh, so not even, this isn't Game Boy Color.
1: No, this is before Game Boy Color. This was the- Wow,
0: I'm so jealous. My purple translucent Game Boy Color was everything to me for a long time. I miss it.
1: That's cool. The translucent thing needs to come back.
0: That's the coolest I'll ever be. I think, first of all, I completely agree with you. I think it has a decent chance at coming back, at least in some ways, because of the cultural nostalgia for 90s era- anything right now so maybe we'll bring it back god i really loved that game boy color and i had just the best games that was where i found my love of tetris yep super mario brothers oh there were so many good ones
1: so many good ones i remember being really pissed off at how hard kirby was like the the original kirby game boy how did i never
0: play kirby on game boy i i sincerely don't understand kirby really only came into my life i rented rented i rented a game for my game (laughs) cube what a sentence (laughs)
1: That's incredible. That's an incredible sentence. Yeah.
0: Rented a game for my GameCube that was Kirby's Cloud Adventure, maybe, perhaps.
1: Okay. Something to
0: that effect. And then my Kirby experience other than that is just in Super Smash.
1: I don't think people have unpacked it as much as they should, like how much Hmm. of a scam it was to rent video games because like video games take a long time to play,
0: hundred percent, and you're yes. paying
1: for that time, which is crazy. Like that's a crazy yeah. thing that happened. I
0: think I've repressed that memory though, because I haven't thought about doing that since the day I did it until <laughs> <Yeah>. just now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like getting vestigially angry again, thinking about it. Yeah, games. like I'm like God getting damn. stressed out thinking about it. Yeah.
0: The reason I'm getting stressed out is that I am now thinking that I'm pretty sure they came out with a Kirby game for Switch that I never played.
1: Just this week, actually, it came out. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played it, but yeah.
0: Do you have a Switch, though?
1: I do. Yeah, it's the actually the only system I have right now.
0: Me too. I'm having a problem with my Switch, Ryan, which is that when I plug it into my TV, which is a new TV, Samsung TV, the screen flickers... And I have gone on to every form I can find, everything. And there's just an issue with Nintendo Switches and Samsung TVs. And they uh, recommend all these things like unplugging the cords in a certain order as though it's blowing on an N64 cartridge. Like that uh, is the level that I'm at right now in terms of trying to get my Switch to hook up to my TV properly. I guess I'm just tossing that out there. If anyone listening knows what the hell to do <laughs> to get yeah. my Switch and my Samsung TV to cooperate, I would appreciate it because I have to play it hand handheld in my home.
1: (laughs) I've almost never plugged my switch into a TV.
0: Really? I mean, it's really nice handheld. Yeah, I like it. I know, but I've been playing that Yoshi game and it's so cute. I want to see it bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, what is the tiniest hill you're willing to die on? So something super inconsequential that you would really go to bat for.
1: I think movies are too long now. I just, I, I'm, I, I don't think a movie should be more than an hour and 45 minutes. Okay, yeah. And I also don't think TV shows, a single episode of a TV show should be longer than 44 minutes
0: interesting okay
1: i'm tired of this okay i need time in my life to do other things and i still want to consume content so that's Mm -hmm. that's something that i'm willing to die on a hill right now is that like there should be a a mandatory length and you cannot go over that or it just becomes like a new movie i saw the batman recently that's three hours long that's crazy that's a three three hours of my life that should be two movies do little jokes and riddles i don't want (laughs) to do that (laughs) Like, make a movie. If you can't make a movie an hour and 45, like, I don't think you're good at making movies. That's the thing.
0: Wow. Okay. I love this take. Mm -hmm. Several questions. First question Is there a minimum length you would also like to require?
1: So, we're saying like uh, maximum hour and 45, hour 50. It's really, really good. Uh Maybe an extra credit scene or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think to qualify as a movie, Mm -hmm. it would have to be like an hour and 15. I was going to say hour 20. Yeah. If TV show episodes are mandatory, 45 minutes maximum. So 45 minutes, you know, 70 minutes. That's a movie. All right. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Okay. It's interesting. So I totally agree. I think I agree that movies are too long. I don't really understand why this is happening. It's so
1: long and it's so hard to make okay. movies. Very hard to make movies now. And yet people want to make longer and longer movies. And yet they also want to do more sequels. And it's like, well, mm. just make more sequels then. Yeah, that's a good you point. Just make one extra sequel. And your movies can be shorter and you can have the same amount of, or better yet, just make it a TV show because I'm going to watch it in the same place anyways.
0: Exactly. It's such a good point. Okay. The thing about TV these days and by TV, I mean the concept of TV. Yes. Because what is a television at this point? Ooh, (laughs) hot economy take. (laughs) But I struggle when something isn't one hour long. It's hard for me to push play because it's a weird amount of time to fill for a 30 minute TV show, like a sitcom or something super digestible, I'll throw that on really without thinking because it's like, it's 30 minutes. So let's check it out. Or I'd love to just watch a quick episode, 30 minutes. And then if you're sitting down to watch a movie, psychologically, you're like, it is movie time. Yes. But one hour, like I'm watching Inventing Anna right now, which is a limited series, which is something we should discuss in terms of that's a different type of content. One hour is a weird ass length of an episode. And that is actually why I think it belongs in the limited series world.
1: Mm, I see what you're saying. Yeah,
0: because limited series have become the to me the thing between television and movies,
1: and I prefer them. Like I, I would mm-hmm. I, like if you're gonna mm-hmm. give me eight episodes of something, yeah, I don't want to watch anything more than that. I want it to end. There's that Netflix show Midnight Mass. It was about vampires. It was like eight episodes, and then it was, it was over. I was like, great. I don't, I don't want anything else. Great, great. thank you. Okay. You know, stories. I've don't. never seen it. It's, it's good. It's fine. It was by the guy who did Haunting of uh, Hill House, which, so it's like a spooky. Is it
0: scary? I also didn't see that.
1: It is. Yeah. It's pretty scary. Yeah.
0: I'm afraid of things.
1: Okay. I really like horrors. Yeah. Stuff. So.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: I, yeah. It's, it's how I de-stress, actually.
0: Okay. Whoa. What? What?
1: If I've had like a stressful week or like a stressful day and I want to like completely yeah. decompress, I try to eat this sp- spiciest Indian food I can find uh, on delivery. And then I watched like an incredibly scary film. I feel like I've processed all everything. Okay. Like, yeah, decompressed.
0: Okay. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, has that always been a thing that you've done? Or is that an adulthood thing? Or how did that happen to you?
1: <laughs> I mean, I really like spicy food and I really like horror movies. They're very comforting to do together. I've always really liked horror movies. In fact, like as a kid, I went to Spooky Land.
0: Whoa, what is that?
1: It was an amusement park for horror films. What? Yeah, it was in Massachusetts and like I have an autograph from the guy who played Jason cuz like they would bring in like horror movie oh my guys God. to like sign autographs. There was, like, a thing where we were, like, on a tractor, and, like, guys were chasing us with chainsaws. It was awesome. It was, like, a giant wow. haunted house, but, like, the size of, like, an amusement park.
0: How young were you when you got into horror movies? Were you scared first, and then they became comforting, or did you skip right to comforting?
1: No, no, like, they terrified me. Okay. Uh, there, there, there's a movie called Event Horizon, which is uh, basically about a haunted spaceship, and that movie was <laughs> so scary that I did run from my house. <gasps> I ran out of my house. I was way too young to watch that. Were
0: you able to run into your dad's house across the street?
1: No, that's what it was. I was at a friend's house. We watched Mm. The Horizon, and then I sprinted home. I was like, I gotta get out of here.
0: (laughs) Did you leave their house during the movie?
1: No, no, we finished it, and I was like, I gotta go. I gotta gotta go home. And I just ran home.
0: As almost an adult, in fact, I think as very much an adult, I kind of did something similar, which is that I'm from a very small town in Connecticut, very woodsy, Mm. very rural. And my friend has a patio that they would like put a TV on in the summer and you could at night, you could kind of cozy up, like watch a movie in the screened in porch, whatever. And I do not like horror movies. I've got on the record as being like, I'm not a person who wants to watch horror movies. So they're like, Alexis, let's watch a horror movie. I'm like, why, why do this to me? And they're like, it's going to be fine. You're going to like it. I'm like, I'm not, but I will do this because whatever, fine. Yeah. And we watched something that now I can't remember. I have to look up the name just in case other people have seen this. It's a Willem Dafoe movie that takes, Place in the woods.
1: Nymphomaniac.
0: No, Antichrist.
1: I'm sorry, An- <sighs> Nymphomaniac is the same director, Lars Von. Yes, Krier. it is. A,
0: yes, yes, Antichrist. exactly. Yeah. Oh my God! Ah, it's so. It's. I literally, okay. So the problem is not all of the absolutely fucking batshit crazy terrifying nonsense that goes down in this movie. That's to be expected. The problem for me is that it largely goes down in the woods where Uh, we were watching this movie and I was supposed to then sleep on that screened in porch after we watched this film. I straight up got in my car and drove home instead of spending the night. I was like well that's been a wrap on this friendship. I am getting in my car and I'm going home because i am fucking terrified
1: that kind of movie is not the kind of movie that i relax with lars von trier is okay. not a relaxing experience for me
0: is it because it's psychological horror
1: yeah psychological horror i find kind of boring actually also i want like, <laughs> oh my god
0: i wish i found it
1: boring <laughs> i want like spooky stuff i want okay. like maybe some gore but i'm not like a big gore okay. person i do love a good zombie film those are nice oh yeah um yeah i've been watching a lot of uh korean zombie stuff recently that's pretty good doesn't antichrist open with like them having sex and then their baby falls yes. out a window and like all that shit
0: yeah so and then it gets better from there it just keeps on i that's the opening scene and then it just keeps on keeping on for the whole film
1: yeah that's too much that's that's not a, that's not fun that's not what movies are for
0: <laughs> i agree i agree ryan and i wish you'd been there to talk my friends into something more pleasant
1: that's a weird film to put on it like a group event actually hey guys let's all sit down and watch antichrist
0: i know god thank you yeah. you get it what is the scariest movie you've ever seen then is it the spaceship one
1: i mean the spaceship one as a kid was very scary um no, the scariest movie I've ever seen is probably Hereditary. That movie is not even That fun.
0: came out recently. Yeah,
1: and I watched it on a plane. It was scary on a plane? I had to walk around the plane to get some air No, at one point. That movie is brutal in how scary so it is. So I shouldn't watch it. Yeah, that one's tough. There's also an Ethan Hawke one. I think it's called Sinister. Okay, And it has so many jump scares that by the end of it, I was physically exhausted. Like my body was tired from reacting to jump scares. Oh my scares. God. And I found that impressive. I was like, okay, that's pretty good. That
0: is impressive. If a movie can burn calories, it is probably worthy of note in some yeah. capacity.
1: But at a certain point, your body's just like, enough. Like, stop doing this to me. My God, but why? That's like a much creepier slower more like just like upsetting movie that's it's very well done i liked it but i I don't ever want to watch it again
0: (laughs) okay similar to the songs from my past thing Mm, it's happening again where you describing this movie i'm like wow that would be horrible to watch i want (laughs) to watch it
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah.
0: Why does my brain betray me? Why can't I just do things that are nice?
1: (laughs) No, sometimes you just like need to like, I don't know. You got to like punish yourself a little bit with some sort of uh, content, I guess.
0: Oh my God. I have to think about that. I get so scared. I'm excited to ask you this next question though, which I ask a lot of my guests. Do you believe in ghosts?
1: Oh man. Well, hmm. I definitely believe in aliens. No issue there. Me and Tom Belong from Bleak Way 2 are on the same page when it comes to aliens.
0: Yeah, for sure. Are you two on a specific page about aliens or just the belief that they exist?
1: I think they exist for sure. I think that it's very likely they have visited. I think that like, you know, we're, we it's 2022. We don't have to like act like this is crazy.
0: I can't believe there are people that don't believe in extraterrestrial life. Like, I don't understand.
1: Here's my issue with ghosts. Uh, and Let I, me I, hear I, I have some thoughts about this.
0: I hope that you do.
1: So, okay, so if ghosts are real, Yeah. Are they sentient? Like, Hmm. and if that's true, do they think like uh, like, how sentient are ghosts? Now, if we're talking Hmm. like, are ghosts just like an after image of a person's existence Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. in really traumatic places, like there's ghost activity, that's maybe, but then also like a lot of stuff I've read about ghost sightings has kind of come down to like maybe like a weird magnetic field and like DMT like happening in like a marshy area. So people are just like getting kind of high off like swamp gas or something. I okay. don't know. I have issues with ghosts. Like ghosts, okay. ghosts bring up more questions yeah. than they answer with their existence. That's that's my, okay. that's my yeah.
0: <laughs> so much to unpack. I'm so excited to dive in. I don't know what DMT is. Is that a drug?
1: It's like a really powerful psychedelic drug, but it can actually uh, occur naturally naturally.
0: Your brain releases it right before you die. That's the one. I had a friend tell me about this recently.
1: You can soak grass in water and like and and make DMT crystals, I'm pretty sure. It's been a while since huh. I've had a very stoned guy at a party explain to me how to make DMT, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. <laughs> um but yeah, you can make like DMT can occur naturally.
0: Oh, so you're saying that if a, in a swamp which is like decomposing grass perhaps, that could be released.
1: That's one wow. explanation I have read. Yeah, and then the other one is that like there's like a weird magnetic field thing that can happen in like certain areas with like certain rock deposits or something. And that seems to line up with a lot of ghost sightings as well. So Mm. I don't know. I feel like you can explain most ghost activity at a certain point. Okay.
0: When you were talking about potential after images left over at sites where trauma occurred, was that something that you do believe in or don't believe in?
1: I am. I'm on the fence about that. Like, you know, like I also think that like maybe the idea of like a place being haunted is like yeah. like an evolutionary thing that humans have. Don't know about ghosts.
0: Okay, <laughs> have you ever felt that you were in a haunted place? I've definitely
1: been in creepy places, but no, not not especially. I, I don't feel like I've been I've been haunted or like okay. have experienced a haunting or like been in a haunted mm-hmm. area. Connecticut, Massachusetts, sa- same kind of vibe. We're like you know so in the woods at night. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I also I grew up near Salem, Massachusetts, which is like a deeply haunted place. Um, right. So you know, there's definitely creepy stuff everywhere. But at the same time, like I think maybe growing up near it in proximity to it, and you're like, this isn't this isn't anything. This isn't a thing because this is like for tourists to come look at. So I don't know. I'm I'm uh, I'm skeptical on ghosts. Okay,
0: over. it's good to be open. You know. Yeah, I, hmm. I keep an open mind. Yeah. Skeptical on. Ghosts. Okay, <laughs> skeptical inspectors. Let me ask you this: Who okay. would play you in a movie about your life, and should mm-hmm. it be a biopic or should we focus in on a particularly exciting chapter of the Ryan Broderick life story?
1: Oh boy! So there are some old photos of James Spader that mm-hmm. look eerily like me. Really? Yeah, that is true. Uh, although okay, not I love anymore because I have a beard. But when I don't have a beard and when I was a little younger. There's some photos of James Spader that look exactly like me. Okay. So, you know, maybe a young James Spader that, that would yeah. work with the beard. Honestly, mm, yeah. Seth Rogen could do it,
0: probably. <laughs> <laughs> I love Seth Rogen.
1: Yeah, I think he's got the right tone and he's got the right voice, you know. Yeah, he can do mm-hmm. it. So, like, let's, let's say that. Okay. And then in terms of the era of my life. Yes. Yeah, there was, like, a particularly exciting period of time where I was living in London and I was traveling covering stories a lot and I was like focusing particularly on a weird mix of Facebook elections and like the far right and like terror attacks and I was like (gasps) I was like going to a lot of crazy places and like doing a lot of crazy stuff and I have like lots of weird stories from that period of my life and I feel like that would make the most sense for a movie that would be like the most action-packed probably
0: yeah wow that would be so cool I would love to see Seth Rogen do that
1: he did do a movie where he played a a journalist largely based on, uh, Ashley Feinberg.
0: I didn't know that. Really?
1: And I thought his portrayal of a journalist was actually like pretty good for Hollywood standards. Like
0: really? Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Does Hollywood usually miss the mark on portraying journalists?
1: Yeah. I think, well, journalism is like extremely boring to put on. Uh, it's, it's It's mainly just like reading and writing. Uh, so, and then there's the other thing where like female journalists are always depicted sleeping with sources, which is a really weird trope. <gasps> And like Oh my God. Yeah. Also, like in the inventing Anna story, I've heard yeah. the journalist character is like horrible.
0: Hmm, interesting. I haven't seen it, but I think that it is worth watching, though be prepared. The episodes are one hour long. So just mentally, it may be it's not gonna work out for you.
1: I'll stop at forty five and I'll just figure out what happened. And then just
0: Think really yeah. hard. Use the yeah. context clues. Okay, I love Seth Rogen. I love him playing a journalist again, but you as a journalist, and I, I think that era is perfect. What genre would this film be? It'd
1: probably be a dark comedy. I feel like a lot of nice. the stuff I was doing is very serious, but there's a lot of wacky stuff that happens when you're, like, running around the world covering, like, essentially, like, everyone going crazy because of the internet. So there's yeah. like, lots of weird stories from that period of my life. Like, I went to a K-pop academy on the North Korean border. And I was briefly arrested in Greece for filming police violence against refugees. But I was also briefly lit on fire at a riot in France. So like... (laughs) You know, there's, like, lots of stuff like that where it's, like, all kind of wacky. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah. You're naming these things like they're restaurants you visited. (laughs)
1: Yeah, like, I did two Olympics, so, like, those are really weird events to go to.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, so it's, like, it's funny stuff, but it's also, like, serious stuff. So, like, you have to sort of figure out how to mix that tone together, maybe.
0: I love that. Okay, a nice dramedy or a dark comedy. Oh, I'm excited about this movie.
1: Yeah, me too. Sounds good.
0: Okay, great, I love that. Ryan, we're gonna take a super quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Bet's Recruiting. Okay, real talk. We all know someone who's been complaining about their job for the last three months, but doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. And sure, maybe at times we've all been that person too. On the one hand, I get it, because even after you found an open role that feels like a fit, figuring out the right place to submit your resume can be a huge mountain to climb. But on the other hand, there are so many tools today to make that climb feel more like a pleasant, non-inclined walk, like bets. So, if you, or your friend, are a high performing professional looking for your next opportunity, it's time to become a Bets Connect community member. Apply to join Bets' exclusive network, and if you're accepted, tech startups will reach out to you. You decide who to talk to, you decide your path. So, next time your disgruntled friend starts a conversation with, you're not going to believe what happened on Slack today. Maybe find a way to bring up Bets. Or, hey, maybe send him this episode of Non Technical, huh? Ah, subtlety. Apply now for your exclusive lifetime membership at betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. And we're back with Ryan Broderick, freelance tech writer, publishing the Garbage Day newsletter. Ryan Broderick, we've reached a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. Are you ready? I am ready. Thank you for saying you're ready and not even knowing what's about to happen.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's how I live most of my life, actually. So like, let's let's do it.
0: We've arrived at the lightning round. Okay. I was just thinking it'd be cool if I had music there that was like, dum-dum-dum, but thunder. I don't.
1: I, I was going to say like a thunderclap, but it's a lightning round. So
0: Well, that is the sound of lightning, isn't it? Thunder?
1: Well, I mean.
0: I thought it was that we hear it before we see it.
1: We're doing some really big topics on this episode. Eggs, <laughs> lightning. It's amazing.
0: Isn't thunder the sound of lightning?
1: Yeah. No, it is. It is. It's like the time between the thunder and the lightning. Yes. Like, tells it's how, you how far away it is. it is. Yeah, yeah
0: dude. Yes. Okay. That's some Northeast thunderstorm lore right there coming through. That's the stuff you learn at 10 years old. We're talking about
1: how to cook eggs. We're helping you fix your switch. And we're talking about the physics of lightning (laughs) and sound. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Non-technical.
1: Let's do it. This is great.
0: Okay. It's lightning round time. Number one question for you, Ryan Broderick, coffee or
1: tea? Coffee. I have a, a terrible, terrible coffee addiction. I'm drinking literally a venti iced coffee right you're now. You
0: are drinking a venti iced coffee? It is the most I've ever been flexed on at the top of my own show, and I lived for it. Honestly, you're making a lot of progress through it. If I have a venti, it's we're not going to make a dent, a denti in the venti.
1: Yeah, I've drank half a venti cold brew since we started recording. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I didn't know it was a cold brew. That's epic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's how much coffee I like.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ryan, iOS or Android?
1: iOS always well i briefly had an android phase and mm. i was like this is really cool but this is a pain in the ass all the time to use and then i for sure I gave up. yeah
0: yeah and that there's no shame in quitting the android game in my opinion
1: i'm fully in the the mac ecosystem uh mm-hmm. ipod not ipod oh
0: my god <laughs> it's because we were talking about game boys and stuff
1: i've got the whole thing all mac now yeah
0: nice do you have a favorite board game
1: yes i what really like getting drunk and playing scrabble
0: Oh, nice! I've never played Scrabble drunk.
1: Drunk Scrabble is awesome because it is because no one is good at it.
0: It is better to have that.
1: Yeah, it's great. It makes it hard, but it makes it fun. And okay. like, you can also get away with like more things that aren't words if everyone's all sure. drunk. So yeah, yeah, I highly recommend it.
0: Okay, love that. Do you have a pump up song?
1: Yeah, I have. I have like pump up bands. I listen to a lot of pop punk. So like that's like, okay. A, that's an easy thing. <gasps> really? To, like, yeah.
0: Modern pop punk or pop punk from back in the day?
1: All of it. And I'm literally going to see a band called The Wonder Years tomorrow in Philadelphia. Really?
0: That's so cool.
1: You name a pop punk band, I have I have probably listened to them at length at this point. Do
0: we have the same definition of pop punk? Because when I hear that, I think of Cobra Starship
1: style. That is an era of it for sure.
0: All American Rejects, Cobra Starship.
1: Yep, yep. That kind that of a is, vibe. That's definitely that. I was actually just playing Fall Out Boys Dance Dance on Beat Saber the other night. Yep. So yeah.
0: really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You just wrote about Beat Saber, didn't you?
1: Yeah. The the metaverse. Uh, I'm, I'm taking pop punk into the metaverse. Let's do it.
0: Wow. Honestly, I'll meet you there. Okay. Ryan, this is my final question. And this may be hard for you since you are a writer, but okay. if you have some insight, let me know. What would you title your memoir?
1: I did put a book proposal together once for a book kind of based off of that period of my life we were talking about earlier. Yeah. One of the titles I was using was Log Off. Oh, that was pretty good. Mm hmm. Another one was the end, of, like the end of the world or something. Log off though, I like that. I think I feel like that's like a good one. Log
0: off, the end yeah. of the world. Okay, I yeah. like that a lot. Log off, yeah. For some reason, what's coming up is a combination of the two, which is like world dot com.
1: That's really good. I like that. Yeah.
0: I don't know why. There's something about that where I w- I would see that and I'd be like, huh.
1: <laughs> Endoftheworld.com is pretty good actually. Yeah, that's like very catchy.
0: That's yours. That's my parting gift to you, Ryan Broderick. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna buy that domain.
0: Yeah, you should. Thank you so much for joining me on non technical.
1: Thank you for having me. This was great. This was super fun.
0: This was so fun. And I, I hope I pass the test into next friend level.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's like uh let's let's pick a new platform to communicate on. Let's let's keep adding to the stack. Let's
0: Hell yes. Somewhere where we can maybe play drunk scrabble. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Or we could do Drunk Wordle. That could be fun. Love it. Very easy. Yeah.
0: Ryan, where can people find you and all of your incredible work on the internet?
1: So I have a very unfortunate Twitter feed, which you can find at at Broderick. (laughs) My newsletter is Garbage Day, which is garbageday.email. You can find it there. And Mm -hmm. I have a podcast, which is basically one half of what you heard today. (laughs) (laughs) You can find that thecontentminds.com. So, Yeah come find me.
0: Fabulous. And make sure to check out Ryan's Twitter for hot takes on eggs. Probably coming soon. I'm assuming.
1: Yeah. No, right after this, I'm, I'm going to right go after this. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Thank God I was, you know, just got to break a few eggs to make an omelet Let's as they say. It. Yeah. And you can find me at yay, Alexis gay on Twitter and Instagram or at non-technical pod on Twitter. One more time, Ryan. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Oh boy. I have a review to read. This is from Ginny Hogan. Ginny Hogan says, so informative and funny. Five stars. Alexis is a wonderful host and she gets incredible guests. Can't recommend this podcast enough. Thanks, Ginny. Former non-technical guest, friend of the pod. And if you want to hear me read your review on the next episode, go ahead and head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give me a review. Maybe toss in a little tech lingo. Maybe throw in a little corp speak. Maybe if you're feeling up to it, give me five stars. I don't know. Up to you. Just a suggestion, just food for thought. Either way. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye.